you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to continue on this morning with our, our series. We're up to part three this morning. Uh, grab your Bibles, our key verse, John, Gospel of John, chapter four. Gospel of John, chapter 4, and verse 23. It says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers, everyone say, true worshipper. Turn to the person next to you say, I want to be a true worshipper. True worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Amen. Seeketh such to worship Him. We're going to continue on here with our notes. My notes have disappeared. Oh, dear me. Praise the Lord. So, two weeks ago, actually, I don't think it was two weeks ago, it was last week, wasn't it, we spoke about this, bit of a recap. We said that God doesn't want to make you a worker, amen, God wants to make you a worshiper. And here's the problem that we see in the church often is that we get caught up in working for God, but not knowing who we are serving. Amen. We get caught up in doing this, doing that, fulfilling this task, but not actually understanding the, the why, the reason why we do it. And the reason why that happens is because we spoke about this two weeks ago. Worship flows from divine revelation. You cannot worship something that you don't know. You cannot worship someone you don't know. Amen. You've got to have a relationship with God. And that only comes when God gives you revelation of who He is, amen? And so when you're struggling with worship, the question you have to ask yourself is, do I really know God? Or has my relationship with God stagnated, perhaps? Or, or perhaps are you just a worker? You've got your head down, your tail up, so to speak, and you're working hard in the kingdom of God, but you're not connected with the purpose why, with the reason why. This was what we spoke about last week. Last week, we also spoke about how we could be what God is looking for. Our verse in John, it tells us that God is seeking. He is seeking for people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we, we spoke about how King Saul was a warning to us, anointed for the task, called for the task, serving God, largely doing what God had told him to do right up until the Amalekites and a few other little things happened that he didn't obey what God had told him. But, but doing the task that God had placed him in, and yet he wasn't what God was looking for. We know that David, on the other hand, was what God was looking for. Acts chapter 13 and verse 22 told us that David was a man after God's own heart who would fulfill all his will. Amen. And so when God says He is seeking those who would worship in spirit and in truth, He is expressing our, His will for our life. God is seeking for people to worship Him. Amen. Saul was a worker. David was a worshiper. 
and what are you today? This is what we spoke about last week. The last thing we spoke about last week was that true worship leaves you naked before God, transparent before God. Adam and Eve had nothing to hide from God. God walked in the garden with them. God communicated with them. They walked with God, but when they sinned, the very first thing they did was go and hide because they did not want to be in the presence of God again. They went to hide because sin changes communication to confrontation. All right, so true worshipers who have been cleansed from sin, who are living a holy life, can enter into the very presence of God. Why? Because they're not worried. They've got nothing to hide from God. Their life is an open book to God. Right? They're not worried that God's going to find something. And, and that in itself is so funny anyway. You know, we often try and think that we're hiding things from God when God knows our hearts. How much better it is to be able to come to God, seek forgiveness for sin in our life, and be able to go on in communion with God and in communication with God. Amen. So that's what we spoke about last week. And I want to continue, I want to continue on here with this next point. True worship will keep you from sin and rebellion. True worship will keep you from sin and rebellion. Once you grab your Bibles, let's go to Psalm 95. And it's quite interesting. I don't know. I know I do this. Often you read something in the Bible and you read it, but you don't really read it. You know what I mean? You read it, but you don't stop to really go, what does this actually mean? And you don't notice little things. But look at, look at this. We're going to read the psalm here. Psalm 95. Oh, come. Not 195. 95. Psalm 95. Oh, come. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His and He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. What is this? This is praise. How do we know it's praise? Because it is focusing on the things that God has done. He formed the seas. He formed the land. It's all His. It's focusing on the things that God has done. So verses 1 through to 5, they're talking about praise. Verses 6 and 7, look at this. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Right? It's worship now. The psalmist has moved from praise into worship. Right? He's talking about who God is, not just the things that God has done. But then it gets interesting. Look at this. Today, the end of verse 7, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. 
unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He talks about praise. He talks about worship. And then he talks about rebellion. That just doesn't quite fit, does it? It's a bit odd that it goes praise, worship, and then rebellion. Let me, let me tell you about the transition here. Praise is when God hears our voice. When we thank Him for what He has done. When we praise Him for the things that He's done in our lives. So praise is when God hears our voice. Worship is when we hear God's voice. Now, look at this, Exodus. Let's go to the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 34. And we're going to read verses 5 through to 8. Look at this. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. Say amen when you're there. And the Lord that descended in the cloud. Now, this is, this is in the mount, right? In the, in the Old Testament, Moses is there. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is the Lord talking. And the Lord passed by and proclaimed, this is what the Lord said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Now, this is God describing himself to Moses. Moses hears the voice of God saying this. And in verse 8, we see Moses' response. And Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. So praise is when God hears our voice. Worship is when we hear the voice of God. And so the transition here is that if worship is hearing God's voice, then rebellion is what happens when we don't hear God's voice. Or we choose to ignore God's voice. So what this means is that if there is a lack of worship in your life, eventually, eventually it will lead to rebellion. Because if the people of Israel had seen what Moses had seen and heard what Moses had heard and been there when that had happened, I don't think they would have murmured as much as they murmured. When they came face to face with the presence of God. The Israelites were very good at praising God for the things that he had done, for his actions. But Moses knew God's nature. That's why he was a worshiper. And when there is no revelation about who God is, then rebellion is sure to follow eventually. It might take some time. But if you make a conscious decision to not learn about God, to not become a worshiper, eventually rebellion is going to form in your heart. You see, it is the people who are not worshipers that have a problem with the church. Woo! Everyone put your seatbelts on. 
It is the people who do not worship that have a problem with the church. It is the people who don't worship that have a problem with the pastor. It is the people who don't worship who have problems with the leadership. Why? Because they are not listening to God. They are not hearing to God. We see this, in the, this principle in the life of Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30. And he said, this is, this is Saul, I have sinned, realizes he sinned, yet honor me now, but honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. The worship was fake. He wasn't listening to God. He wasn't being obedient to what God was saying. All he wanted was the people to realize, oh, he's still the king. Look at him. He's doing all the things that he's meant to be doing. But it was fake because it wasn't from the heart. Why? Because he was in rebellion. Even while he was doing a job that God had anointed him to do. You're beginning to understand why becoming a true worshiper is so important. And that, that, that ought to be a warning for us. We need to be seeking God, to be true lovers of God, to be a true worshiper of God. We ought to ask ourselves, do we really love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? It's a tough question if you really stop and ask yourself that sometimes. Hello? Someone say amen. So true worship will keep you from sin and rebellion when you are pursuing that life of worship of God. It'll keep you from sin. It will keep you from rebellion. Amen? Let's move on. Here's the next point I want to give you this morning. Worship is your ministry to the Lord. Worship is your ministry to the Lord. When you are saved, you become a minister for the Lord. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm a minister. You are a minister. Congratulations, Brother Scotty. You're a minister. Amen. We are ministers. And, and I don't mean ministers in the sense of everyone is suddenly the pastor or everyone is suddenly the leader of the church or everyone is suddenly the men's director or anything like that. But every single believer has a ministry, a place of influence and a place of function in the church, amen. And our ministry can be divided into three basic areas. Everyone has this. Exhortation, evangelism, and worship. Now, let's have a look at these. Exhortation is the ministry that we render to our brothers and our sisters around us, right? Look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another. And that, that word edify means to build up. We ought to be building one another up, right? Build one another up, even as also you do. Exhortation is where we pray for one another. We lift one another up. When, when someone's not here, look at, let's just do this quickly. Look around. Who do you know that's not here this morning? Who do you know that's not made it to church today? You might not know why. There might be a very good reason. They might be working. They might be homesick. Who knows? But take note of that person. Ring them up and say, hey, we missed you today. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, I've been really sick. I'm at home. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Would you like me to cook you a meal? That's ministering 
That's exhortation. We're building one another up. Amen. And so exhortation is the ministry that we offer to our brothers and our sisters in the church. Evangelism. Evangelism is the ministry that we offer to the sinner. This ministry reaches for the lost through prayer, through intercessory prayer, through witnessing, to providing good examples, to being a good friend, to sharing God's word with people who are hungry. This is evangelism. And, and Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? Evangelism, teaching them to observe all things, evangelism, right? This is evangelism. And, and so exhortation is our ministry to the people in the church. Evangelism is a ministry to people out of the church. And worship. Worship is different from the first two. Because it doesn't involve others. Worship is your ministry to God. Amen. It is a direct ministry to the Lord. It's not horizontal, or in other words, you're not ministering to the people around you. But when you worship, you are reaching directly to God. Worship is an interaction between the believer and God without the involvement of anybody else. That's why I know that if I, even if I'm by myself, I can still go to my knees in prayer, lift my hands up, worship God, and still feel His presence. Because that is a relationship between me and God alone. Nobody else enters into that, right? We, I worship Him, and that is my ministry to God. Amen. And of course, we encourage one another. You know, when you're feeling down and you're struggling and you come into church and everybody is worshiping, that encourages you to get in and worship as well, doesn't it? So we do encourage one another in worship, but ultimately the experience of worship is between the believer and God. And, and isn't that a wonderful thought? To think that God is actually gratified when we worship Him. God actually appreciates it when we worship Him. Just, just try and wrap your mind a little bit around that. The God who created the universe. The God who holds the galaxies in His hand. The God who spoke the word and a light came into existence. The, the God who can heal the sick and raise the dead. The God who can fill people with His Spirit. He enjoys it when you stop and worship Him. Amen? And we spoke a little bit about this last week. That we, 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 we created to worship. That's why we've been created. And, and God loves it when we make the choice. To worship Him. We are actually ministering to the Lord when we worship Him. Turn to the person next to you and say, worship is my ministry. So not only can our ministry be broken down into three different ways. To the church, to the outside, and to God. Worship can be broken down into three progressive steps. I love things in three. <laughs> three progressive steps. It makes it easy to remember. The first one is thanksgiving. To be a worshiper, we must start with an attitude of gratitude. And that sounds so cliche. We've all heard that before, haven't we? But it is so true. Thanksgiving is that prevailing thankful attitude that creates the seeding ground for a great worshipful experience with God. If we are unthankful, we will never become good worshipers. In matter of fact, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 onwards, it describes the serious problems that result from an unthankful heart. 
That can be your homework. Go read that. We must start with a thankful heart. Thanksgiving is a prevailing mental state of gratitude for what God has done. Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. He said, in everything, give thanks. Turn to the person next to you say, everything. Everything means everything. Now, that's a little hard to swallow sometimes, isn't it? I have no problem being thankful when God suddenly, you know, provides for my family. I have no problem being thankful when God heals me from a sickness. What about when things get tough and things aren't going so well? Hello? Thankful in everything. I mean, Paul is the, Paul's the poster boy for this, right? He's been beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, thrown in jail, whipped. And he's sitting there going, in everything, be thankful. Man, life. In everything, be thankful. We have to have that prevailing attitude of thankfulness in our life. Praise goes one step further than that. And praise expresses that gratitude in some verbal, audible, or demonstrative way. Amen. Praise can be heard. Praise is verbally or demonstratively extolling the virtues and divine attributes of God in praise. Thanksgiving praises Him for what He has done and praise exalts Him for who He is. Amen. And, and this is why in our church, this is why we clap our hands. This is why we jump up and down sometimes. This is why we raise our hands. Right? Because it is an expression of praise. We are showing our praise. Look at this. Praises can be grouped into these areas. Here, verbal. I got a scriptures list along my arm, as long as my arm. But look at this. Psalm 35, verse 28. My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. You can also look up Psalm 40, verse 3. Psalm 89, verse 1. Psalm 119, 108. Psalm 119, 171. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. I'm not going to read them all because we'll run out of time. But over and over and over and over again in the Bible, it talks about using your voice to praise the Lord. That's why we shout. That's why we sing. Because we're praising God. And you can hear it. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto Him with the psaltery. O clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Right? That's why we use music to praise God. Because it happens over and over and over again in the Bible. Amen. And praise is demonstrative. Or in other words, you know what I mean by demonstrative? It's something you can see. You demonstrate your praise through some action. Right? Psalm 63, verse 4, I will lift up my hands in thy name. Right? Lifting up hands. That's why we lift up our hands. What about this? Acts chapter 3 and verse 8. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. And he just kind of ambled in. Is that what the Bible says? No. It says he was walking and leaping and praising God. He didn't walk into that temple just like it was another Sunday. No, he'd been sitting like that for years. He walked into that church service and ripped it all apart, jumping and boogalooing and dancing and all over the place. Why? 
he was praising God for what God had done. Psalm 149 verse 3, let them praise his name in the dance. Right? We praise God. We praise God through the things that we do. Let's move on. Worship. Isn't this funny? I'm just about done. Last week I didn't have enough time. This week I'm just about done. Worship is the ultimate in this interaction with God. I guess you could call it the apex of divine communication. The third and the highest level of ministry unto the Lord. We're calling it worship. It's not just man reaching to God, but it is a mutual exchange between God and man. That's worship, right? It is in worship that God will meet your needs. It is in worship that you can get what you need from God. It is in worship that you will receive peace. It is in worship that you will receive purpose, right? When you are connected with God and you're one-on-one with God like that, it is a mutual exchange. Worship enters the supernatural realm where there is real contact with the Spirit of God. And worship is entering into the throne room of God. Amen. You know, we come before the throne of grace boldly. We do that through worship. That's how we get in there. right? We worship and we enter into the presence of God. Amen. Now, I'm not going to get too far into this because I want to save some of this for, for next week. But why don't you turn with me in your Bible to the um, book of Amos. Amos chapter 9. And this is what we're going to start talking about next week because I don't want to get into this and run out of time. We've only got about five, ten minutes left. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. If you found Amos, that's a little bit of a harder, harder book to find in the Bible. It's one of those minor prophets. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. It says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, says the Lord that doeth this. Now Moses' tabernacle was still located when this was when 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 King David was on the throne the tabernacle of Moses was still located at Shiloh but David had built another tabernacle at Jerusalem and it was at this tabernacle the ark of the covenant was located right now for those of you who don't know the story we know that um, King Saul was it King Saul yeah it was King Saul no it wasn't King Saul I'll get there. The Ark of the Covenant was lost even during King Saul. It was Eli's sons, Hopni and Phinehas. They took the Ark of the Covenant into a battle against the Philistines, and they lost it. They lost the battle because they were living in sin. 
Man, there's a whole message in that about trying to take the presence of God with you when you're living in sin. It just doesn't work. But they lost the, they lost the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and it, it, it had come back and it was staying at the house of a guy by the name of Obed-Edom. And uh, Saul had done nothing about it. He just left it there. So let's forget about Saul. But King David built a tabernacle in Jerusalem and he wanted the Ark of the Covenant back to be in Jerusalem because he wanted to be in the presence of God. This prophecy was given many, many years after Jerusalem had been destroyed. The people of Israel had gone into exile. And Amos says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. And so we're going to talk about the tabernacle of David next week and how that finds its fulfillment in the worship that happens in the church. Amen. Talk about the tabernacle of David next week. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? True worship will keep you from sin and rebellion. Worship is your ministry to the Lord. We all have a ministry, every single one of us. And worship can be broken down into thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Amen. It's like the, it's the path you have to follow. You cannot get to worship without thanksgiving. You cannot get to worship without praise. You've got to move from thanksgiving, you move into praise, then you move into worship. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes? Let's just talk to the Lord together. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, make us worshipers, Lord God.